Hello, I'm Becky Hadid, host of The Storied Recipe. As my weekly guests share their stories through the vessel of cherished food memories, we all become better cooks, more grateful for the gift of food, and we honor those that have loved us through their cooking. I've been itching to know the Mia Koopa ladies for a while now. There's a lot to appreciate about Helen and Billy, sisters and first-generation Canadians of Greek emigrants. They're warm, friendly, and funny. Helen and Billy blog with a mission. They take the delicious, healthy, flavorful, simple Greek dishes of their parents' generation, which have only ever been measured in relation to Mia Koopa, a coffee cup in a cupboard, and they translate them to actual recipes with measurements the rest of us can use and replicate. There is a surprise to every interview, and what I didn't expect for this one was to fall so hard for their parents' love story. A courageous, trailblazing woman who made him path in Canada, then returned to Greece to marry a man who knits, gardens, shops, and loves his wife so much that every day for 10 years, he left his job at a factory to join her at her job so she could finish more quickly and return home with him. And what did they do when they returned home together? Why, they cooked, of course. Their story may be humble, but just like their food, it will nourish and uplift your soul. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe to hear heartwarming, intriguing, challenging stories like Mia Kupa's every week. Also, as you may know, my Instagram account where I share the recipes given to me by my guests was recently hacked and I lost all of my followers. If you would also take a moment to refollow at thestoriedrecipe.podcast, that would mean so much to me. Thank you. And here are Helen and Billy. I enjoy your writing so much. It is so lighthearted and fun and of course very informative and I've just been really looking forward to talking to you in person. <laughs> Thank you Becky. Billy's the writer. She's really funny isn't she? <laughs> Are you Billy? <laughs> well let's let's yes. go with that. Let's start with each of you introducing yourselves. Okay I'm gonna go first because I'm older. <laughs> okay okay Helen's older. Okay so I'm Helen uh, part of Mia Koopa and I'm really happy Becky that you invited us to be part of this podcast. It's really great what you're doing. Uh, our Billy and I and my brother were first generation Greek Canadians. We're born, raised, and we still live in Montreal. Okay. Uh, Billy's my younger sister, and Nick, who's our brother, is older than I am. We were all named after our grandparents, which oh, is a cool. yeah. It's a, it's customary to do that uh, when you when you're Greek. So I'm named after my paternal grandmother, and Billy's named after her maternal grandmother, our maternal grandmother. Yeah, um, I'm married to a great guy. He's not Greek. Uh, <laughs> we're going to celebrate 31 years marriage this August. Mm, congratulations. Um, thank you. And uh, I have two daughters. Uh, Alexandra is 27. She's completing her PhD in biochemistry. And Christina's 24, who's, um, who works in marketing for a mm. large cosmetics company. Are they named after? Did you continue the tradition naming them? Alexandra sounds like a very Greek name. Uh, they're both Greek names. And okay. no, I did not name them after oh. my parents. <laughs> uh, you will find out, Becky, that I am the preferred daughter. <laughs> because I followed the rules. <laughs> I'm the rule breaker. <laughs> I was actually one of the first one of my generation to marry a non-Greek. And... Really? 
Yeah, and oof, did I uh, get so much flack. I'm not going to name names, but I had an aunt calling me, telling me that I'm breaking my parents' heart. I'm sure that that wasn't at your parents' request, though. No, no, it wasn't. And, yeah. you know, they, they took a while to adapt, but they would never trade my uh, my husband, their son-in-law, for anything in the world. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, But it, I, I just broke the ice for everyone after me who got married to a non-Greek <laughs> in <Right>. our family. <laughs> Well, thank you for introducing yourself. And I'm I'm a middle child also. Help. Uh, yay to the middle children. Yes. We're so good. Now, Billy, I when my husband and I got married, I remember we were talking about kids. We were having a joking conversation and <laughs> we said at some point, well, we're gonna have to figure out how to not have a youngest child because they're always <laughs> irresponsible and <laughs> All these other things. Do you fit the mold or did you break the mold, Philly? Uh, <laughs> I'm very responsible. <laughs> yes, yes. Are you? Well, yeah. Um, I So I'm the youngest, as Helen said, of I was uh, apparently a mistake. My mother was not shy to tell me a few times growing up. She would quickly follow up with, but the best mistake, the best mistake, don't worry. But uh, I don't think that um, that our parents really were planning on having a third child. But, you know, there were other plans in the works. So here I am. Yeah. Yep, yep. So I, too, actually am married to a non-Greek man. <laughs> okay, way to go, Helen. Pave the way. Helen did. <laughs> and the funniest story, I remember when I was engaged and our maternal grandmother, who was living in Greece at the time, do you remember this story? Yeah, I remember. It's so she funny. She found out that I was marrying someone who wasn't Greek. And she, at this point, she knew Helen's husband, Robert, and she loved him and everything was great. And she said, uh, she was asking my parents if Robert had, had actually found me my husband and, <laughs> and if they were from the same village. <laughs> wow. So we told her, yes, yes, they're from the same village. Don't worry, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so that was very funny. Uh, we also have two daughters. A, and they're named after after my parents because I'm a good girl. <laughs> well, now let me ask you that question though. So, is that typical for cousins to all have the same names? Like that's what would happen if all the siblings. That's right. That's right. So within our family, because everyone is named after the grandparents, typically uh-huh. you'll have cousins in a room, and you call out, "Hey, Costa!" and five people turn around. Oh, everyone is named Costa, George, Nick. So within any given family, you'll have names that are on repeat over and over again. It's quite funny. Well, I mean, as if there's not already enough pressure on kids to kind of find their unique identity, they kind of have to compete against the one who has their same name. That's a lot. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Um, Anyhow, name actually, all kidding aside, naming our girls after my parents was my husband's idea. In oh. fact, and because oh. they because we liked the names, we you know we went with it. So so that okay. was nice. okay. So do you just feminize the like your dad's yeah. name? So, okay. Yes. So my oldest daughter is named Dimitra. She's named after my mom. My youngest is named Georgia, and she's okay. named after our dad, George. Oh, those are beautiful names. Yeah. As are Alexandra and Christina. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, they're all, you know what, all four are beautiful, good girls. We're very, very blessed. Yes. Mm, That's really lovely. So, well, let's talk a little bit about your relationship. I mean, this is a big undertaking to 
enter into together. So obviously you get along pretty well. What was it like growing up together? Was it always like that? Well, I'm older than Billy by a few years. So actually okay. there was no uh, there was no sibling rivalry growing up and there isn't any now. So mm. sibling sibling rivalry because she just ignored me. <laughs> just bullied her. No, I didn't. No, you were <laughs> What's your memory of this, Helen? <laughs> I choose to ignore any bad memories of what I did to my sister. No, but really we had, uh, we had, you know, growing up, we, because there was an age difference, six years difference, actually, there was, um, we had different interests. So uh, we we did share a room for many years growing up, but we're very proud and we're very supportive of each other and we get along beautifully. And uh, our brother is the eldest and he, he's actually a very creative person and he helps us with the video editing and uh, he showed me how to do iMovies. I do it alone now, but the first few he helped, he helped me. Actually, we're going to feature uh, our brother soon on our blog. He makes a really great pizza. So oh. we'll, feature, we'll, we'll go over and feature yeah. him. Yeah. Oh. yeah. When you were growing up, I, I'm trying to figure out where I read this because I couldn't go back and find it over again. But I got the impression that there were always a lot of cousins and extended family around. Or am I making that up? No, you're correct. Okay. Our parents would entertain in this small little uh, five and a half, or I guess you would call it a three-bedroom apartment, which is where we grew up. Wow. A pretty small place, small kitchen, small living room, and they would just pack it, pack it with people. And there was a constant influx of visitors, family, cousins, neighbors, people living within the apartment building just a revolving door of company. Yeah, yeah, we always, and when there was an occasion, like a name day, or I should say Saint's Day, there would be about 40 people in the house, in oh, the yeah. apartment, 40 people. And I mean, we remember like in the hallway, we would line up chairs and people would sit on the chairs lined up or on the floor, wherever basically there was space. Yeah, I think the bathroom, no one ate in the bathroom. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Not usually. So there was nothing fancy, nothing, no big dining room, nothing, right. you know, we didn't have the big centerpieces, no right. matching plates. Oh, gosh, no. It was just easy, yes. but happy. Very yes. happy. Yeah, it was incredible. Great mm-hmm. memories. Yeah. Yeah. What about the kids? What would what would little kids do? Would they go out and play? Would they just bounce around? Yeah. So kids, uh, you know, anyone under the age of, I guess, 18 was considered a kid. So <laughs> when our parents would entertain, we, Helen, myself, my brother, we would, you know, we would eat in the apartment, but we spent our days really outdoors. We would wake up in the morning and go down to the backyard and wait for our friends to come. And the entire day was spent outdoors, playing, going to the park, going from yard to yard. These apartment buildings had really nice backyards to them. And, um, and, you know, we would go up for lunch to somebody's house. Someone was bound to feed us if it wasn't our (laughs) mother. Someone was offering food. Yeah. And, uh, and then go back out and get back at it. Mm. Yeah. It sounds ideal. It was lovely. Actually, yeah. it was pretty yeah. pretty lucky. Yeah. Well, I have I have a couple of follow-up questions. So, first of all, do you ever um, you know, you have really busy lives. You work, you run this blog and if you're like me, it feels like 
structure and routine is what makes that work. And I, I love the idea of spontaneity, but I wonder sometimes how previous generations actually were as spontaneous as they were. I mean, I think for, for me, I think part of it is that we put so much pressure on ourselves that we expect everything to be just perfect and just so, and we can't have guests over unless we're fully prepared. And I think that we keep ourselves so busy with so many different things that it doesn't allow for a lot of just freedom and having people just spend time with one another. Whereas mm -hmm. for our parents, I'm not saying that they didn't prepare and they, they were always very hospitable and they were welcoming all the time, but whatever they could offer, they offered. There was no expectation from anyone else to, you know, this isn't good enough or not at all. And so it was just very relaxed mm -hmm. and they worked they, hard. They worked so, so hard because they had factory jobs. They would come home, cook for the, the next night's dinner mm. after, you know, bathing us and taking care of us. But even now they, they're still very relaxed they constantly mm -hmm. have people over, not now due to the pandemic, mm -hmm. but, you know, I'll call them in the evening and, you know, hi, Ma, how are you? Oh, good. Uh, So-and-so are they're here for coffee. Nothing's planned. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they just welcome them and they have their coffee and whatever cookies they've made. No stress, no routine, no making an appointment to go see them. And we don't live like that. No. I try. I mean, I try to be a little bit like that. I'm not a spontaneous <laughs> person at all. <laughs> I try too. I try too. I really do. And um, but I mean, it's just it's just busy. You know, they must have been exhausted. But there was just such a value placed on that. You know, I was thinking, and this you'll you'll know what I'm talking about, Helen. I was thinking about. So our father is 84 years old. Yes, right? he worked in factories his entire life. Mm -hmm. He worked hard. He worked, you know, I think he started his shift at six o'clock in the morning. He worked eight hours. He then would go and help my mother at her job. So he worked probably 12 hour days. Mm -hmm. And in my entire life, I have never heard this man say, I can't do this. I'm too tired. Never. Never. Even to this day, never. You could ask him anything and he will never tell you, I'm too tired. Dad, come pick me up from the metro at 11 o'clock at night after, you know, I finished studying at the library. He's there. Drive me down across town to a friend's. Yeah. He's there. He he has never, ever said never. he's tired. Never, never. Well, we, we ask him, um, you know, are you tired? Or, you know, did you sleep okay? Or... Let's say he's working in his garden all day. Uh, you know, don't work so hard. To work is to live. That's what that's his motto. Yeah. Yeah. It's wow. incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Just thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He has, God bless him, so much energy. Yeah. Yeah. And still. yeah. yeah. Energy, but also just like not because I'm sure he, he was tired. Of course. Of course right. he was tired. But it's just that that mentality of you know, you do what you have to do and you don't complain about it and you just get stuff done yeah. and always yeah. with joy. Like, always. Yeah. yeah, it's incredible. And, and and we'll get into this, but I think that there is something. So my father-in-law is a Palestinian immigrant. He immigrated to the U.S. and he is exactly like that. 
Yeah, his energy is boundless. My my husband's actually very much like that as well. His energy is boundless and it, you will never hear no. And like you said, it's just, well, it's got to get done. And I think there is something about the people that had the gumption and the get up and go to immigrate. You know, mm-hmm. that's such a massive, courageous act that uh, I think those personality traits are often found in yeah. immigrants. Yeah. Yeah. Because they've had no choice. They had a very difficult time mm. and they just learned to not complain and, and just and just work. That's yeah. the mentality. Mm. Yeah. So I, I want to go back to these memories of going outside and playing in these days. So how cold does it get in Montreal? It gets pretty cold. It gets pretty cold. Um, minus. Well, we're minus with Celsius. Or... Yeah. So we're with Celsius. So I don't know what it would be in Fahrenheit, but mm-hmm. minus 25 Celsius. Mm-hmm. I can do a quick Google search to see what yeah, that. that's what I'm doing. <laughs> So that's negative 13 Fahrenheit. I mean, that is crazy cold. The Minus 25 is sort of a cold day. It had, Last winter, I think we had a few days, it was minus 40 with a wind yeah, chill. Terrible. Unreal. Yeah. And you, you guys would just, you just play outside in that. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, when it's so cold, you have the equipment so that you yeah. <laughs> so we would be bundled up i mean if it was minus 40 we were no, playing we outside would, we wouldn't be allowed to go out but when it was minus 20 minus 18 for sure we oh, would bundle sure. up in our snowsuits and our boots and our hats and scarves and mittens and we would uh we would play outside for hours building snow forts and having snowball snowmen. fights yeah. and making snowmen yeah mm-hmm. Amazing. Okay. That's not in your blood, though, because Greek is a ve- Greece is a very warm and sunny place. Our mother arrived in Canada in February, and oh she got God. off the boat in Nova Scotia and took the train into Montreal. And when she went to the uh, to the building where she was basically handed over to the family for whom she would be working, all of the women that were on the boat were met with by their new employers. And we're all given a pair of boots because there was snow outside. And, you know, these women were coming from Greece and they didn't have winter coats. They didn't have boots. They had never seen snow before. Most of them. It does snow in Greece in some areas up north, but not nothing like we have here. Right. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah, they were taken aback with the winter. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Mm. You're definitely well, not equipped for it. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about your parents and their courage and their strength of character. Um, and you already said their names are Georgia and um, Demetra. Oh, oh, sorry. Yes. Right. George yeah. and Demetra. Yeah. George and Demetra. Yeah. Demetra. Okay. And your mom came first. Yeah. Our mother came first. Our mother was uh, 21, 21 years, almost 22 and she um, she was the first person to leave Greece from her family and came here basically basically on her own, knowing very little English. Um, and the idea was that she would come and then work and then slowly start to sponsor uh, maybe siblings or cousins to come over with her. Was something happening in Greece at the time that people wanted to leave? 
She okay. left Greece in the 19 in 1960. And okay. during that time, so after the Second World War, Greece was really in a lot of economic difficulties. Okay. Uh, very few opportunities for employment. Uh, our parents, you know, our mother lived in a village, which was also, so there was limited education, limited opportunities for living a better life. And with the economic hardship of the country and the fact that other countries like Canada and the U.S. and Australia were really opening their doors and welcoming immigrants, particularly European immigrants at that time, mm -hmm. there was a lot of uh, opportunity for people to to come to these new countries and try to, um, you know, to better themselves and their living mm -hmm. conditions. So. Our mother decided to come to Canada. Her parents were not entirely thrilled. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, she was a bit of a, you know, she was a bit of a rebel. They would have been, I think, happy for her to just stay back and find a man and get married and, and live in the village. Uh, but she really wanted something more and wanted mm -hmm. something uh, perhaps better. Mm -hmm. So she... Um, she took all of the necessary steps. So she basically had to leave her village and go to Athens for several, I think up to a month, several weeks to a month. And all of the women that were planning to immigrate to Canada had to go through, and the men, they had to go through uh, medical checkups and they had to take some courses. So they had to learn how to, because the women were coming to be housekeepers primarily. Right. They were okay. coming to be housekeepers in, in people's homes. So they had to learn how to cook and speak clean English. and iron and speak mm -hmm. some English. Mm -hmm. So she did all of that. And in fact, what's really interesting about our mother's story is that while she was in Athens, uh, mm -hmm. taking these courses at this school, she was close to the... Um, the British Embassy in Athens, and her she had a cousin who was the groundskeeper of the British Embassy, so she would go visit with him, and the mm -hmm. women working in the kitchen, she became very friendly with, and so she was always welcomed at the British Embassy, so she would go to the schooling in Athens with the rest of her classmates, and when that was done, she would bring her books with her, and she would go to the British Embassy, and she would spend a lot of time in the kitchen and she was learning how to make these incredibly fancy dishes yeah. for the people working in the embassy. So she has such fond uh, memories of that. She learned a lot. Oh, what a great experience. So after her training there in Athens, that was it? She just got on a ship and left? Mm -hmm. And she decided on Canada versus Australia because she was quite afraid of the ship. And the ship to Canada was 10 days. And the ship to Australia was, I'm not sure how long, but only many, three weeks. I yeah, think. it was a much, much longer. So so that's why she opted for Canada. That's how she, just, yes, that's yeah. how she decided. And okay. she opted for Montreal because they, were, they she was given the choice of the city in Canada to go to. And she opted for Montreal because she had a cousin who had a cousin who knew someone <laughs> who lived uh -huh. in Montreal. She didn't know them, yep. but she had this small, small connection mm -hmm. to someone familiar. Isn't and that amazing? Just the word family makes yeah. you feel more secure. Mm. 
when she was planning to come over, the idea was that her two cousins, so so our mother was uh, grew up in a home with her family and her aunt and uncle and their two daughters. They all lived in one home. So our mother is the eldest of four siblings, of four children rather. And then she had these two female cousins. So all six children lived in the same home. So they were raised like siblings. They okay. were raised like siblings. And her cousins were supposed to come to Canada right after her. Okay. Yeah. You mentioned that she was going to sponsor them. It, not even. They actually oh. were, were taking the steps to come over the way she did to work. Okay. I see. But, mm-hmm. but it was going to be a little bit later than she, she started the process earlier. And then when she made it to Canada, she heard that in order to immigrate to Canada, you had to be at least 20 years old. And her cousins were, I think, 18 and 19. So they weren't allowed to come. And so they instead immigrated to Australia. Yeah, she hasn't seen them since. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's a big, big sadness, point of sadness for her. Oh. Yeah, I I feel yeah. I feel really emotional about that. I was going to ask you if she ever got to go back to Greece and see her family. Of course, it never occurred to me that her family would have left and gone to a completely different hemisphere. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's really sad. It is sad. Okay. Very sad. They talk often by phone, but they haven't seen each other. They've maintained that connection by phone. Oh, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. And the U.S. was never on the table. No, no, it never, uh, I'm not sure what reason, but uh, no. No. And then you said she was not prepared for the cold. No, 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 not, none of them were. No, and the boots that they, because the boots that they were given were almost plastic. And my mother would tell us that to go to work, uh, a lot of times they had to walk. Mm-hmm. And she, it was so cold, and the boots were cracking that they ended up putting garbage bags over their boots. Mm-hmm. Imagine, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. really sad. That is sad. That is sad. Were they um, were they treated well when they arrived as housekeepers? You arrive, you're kind of in a powerless situation. So. Yeah. Well, yes, she ha- She didn't, I don't know how long she worked with this particular family. I don't know how long she worked for them, but she was not treated well. I'm sorry she to hear that. She wasn't treated well at all. She worked hard. She, she loved them and they loved her, but I mean, they just, they didn't give her enough food to eat. They didn't give her enough time to rest. Yeah, that was, so she worked, I think, for two families. Was it two families? Yeah, so her, the first family that she worked for was a Greek family. So the grandfather of the children she was caring for in this family had immigrated to Canada from Greece, like in the early 1900s. Okay. And had become very, very successful. Um, So they were a very well-off family. And they, she, she was really good there in many ways. They weren't, I think, paying her what they were supposed to pay her. (laughs) And then there was a very unfortunate situation that happened, and she was let go through no fault of her own, let's be clear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Oh, yeah, I remember remember? this story. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
so she was let go and then she went to work for another family and it was with this second family that yes. really she was not being treated well she wasn't at all. treated well she was uh, they weren't giving her enough to eat she would she was being worked too hard in fact she had to go to the doctor at one point and the doctor just was amazed at how thin she was and he wanted to press charges <gasps> yeah yeah did she have any recourse how did she get out of that situation you know, I'm not sure what happened. She, she ended up leaving. She left. I don't think she was there much longer after that. Okay. She left and she ended up working with, uh, not working with, excuse me. She ended up living with uh, a family. So that person that she sort of knew, which was the reason why she selected Montreal to begin with. Right. She mm-hmm. ended up living with them for well. a short period of time. They took her in and then she started working in a factory making um making fur lines yeah fur fur liners yeah she was sewing the liners for furs which was very very popular back then fur coats Mm -hmm. well yeah in canada (laughs) plenty of wildlife and cold people (laughs) (laughs) exactly um wow okay well so first of all family was more than just a word Mm -hmm. mm-hmm Yeah, Yeah, for sure. sure. Mm -hmm. Which I think is meaningful. And then at some point, she went back to Greece knowing she... Tell tell me which part of this is true. It sounds like she went back to Greece knowing that she was going to come back to Canada, but wanting to find someone to marry? Wanting to marry our dad. So they... Oh, specifically your dad. They already knew each other. Yes, they were um, exchanging letters. Yeah. Oh. Hen house. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Were they schoolmates? No, they weren't schoolmates. The families knew each other. Okay. So they met through the family. But it wasn't wasn't like a forced match. But they were introduced through the family. And they, um, they would communicate with letters. And... My mother had gotten to the point where she was allowed to sponsor one person to come right. to Canada. And she sponsored my father, our father, after she married him. So <laughs> she took out a loan to buy a plane ticket to fly to Greece. And then she took out a loan to buy my father a plane ticket. And then she took out another loan <laughs> to buy a bedroom set. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even kidding. So, <laughs> yeah, they had no money. So, yeah, so she flew back to Greece. They they got married in the village and spent oh. a lot of time there, went to Athens, spent some time there, and then flew back to Canada together. To start so their bed set was waiting for them. <laughs> That's right. Their bed set and a bill. They lived with that same family that my mother had. Our, I keep saying my mother. She's our mother, sorry. <laughs> Um, share her. Share I know. Her. I, I don't want to share my mama. Uh-huh. Um, so they both lived with that family for a little bit of time until mm-hmm. they were able to get their own apartment. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about your dad. You call him a Renaissance man. Yeah, he is quite the guy. He doesn't have a lot of formal education. He went, he finished high school, which mm-hmm. back then... 
you know, where they were from was already pretty good. Our mother didn't finish high school. Our mother only went to elementary school, to grade school, and she regrets it so much. She loved, loved she school. She loved school. She actually excelled in math. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And our father, also a very, very good student, but after high school, there was no money to send him to any form of higher education. So he started working. So he's not only never tired, but he can also do pretty much anything. Some things better than others, but he's going to do them anyways. That's right. So he can like paint an apartment, tend to his garden. He loves to, so funny story. I, at one point decided I needed to learn how to knit um, because, uh, because I was pregnant and I felt that as a mother, I had to knit something. So, so this lasted for like one very ugly scarf, but the person to teach me to knit was my father. Oh, remember as soon as I told him I wanted to, I just mentioned it. I said, you know, but I really think I'm going to learn how to knit next day. He's over wool knitting needles. He's like, I'm going to show you. <laughs> You're going to show me. And chuk, 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 he, he was knitting. <laughs> yeah. Had you ever seen him knit before? No. No. But he, knows, he also knows how to cut hair. He, cut he was hair. a barber. He was a barber. Really? Yeah. Really? Well, and I'm fascinated by, did you say he would leave his job and go help your mom with hers? Yes. Tell me about that. When we were teenagers, she got a job working in a rehabilitation center, being um, cleaning, cleaning the offices after hours, you know, mopping, dusting. What do you call that? Housekeeping. Uh, housekeeping. This particular job, if she did it by herself, it would take her um, about six hours. So she'd start at four and would finish at 10. So my father, being my father, said, no, I'm going to come help you after I finish my job, which was, you know, 12 hours long or 10 hours a day. And uh, so we could finish quicker. So he would go every day after his job to the rehabilitation center to meet her, to help her clean and to get it done in three hours. And my sister and I both would go as well at times. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's what he did. Number of years. Number of years. Maybe yeah. 10 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They'd come home and we would have to finish dinner for them. She would start dinner before she left. Yeah. My sister or I would uh, would finish it with instructions. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What an incredibly beautiful love story. It really is when I think it about it. It really is. Now, I mean, they're, yeah. they're like real partners. That is true love. I have to tell you, my husband would do that. That is exactly the kind of thing my husband would do. Oh, that's wonderful. Yes, I am so, so, so blessed. But very few would. For him, it was just a matter of practicality. I don't want you to have to do this, so I, I will take care of it, and I'm going to come and join you. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So the trade-off, of course, was would would be that that would be more hours for you guys without a parent at home but then that was solved that you would come you would go and help as well yeah my sister or i would go help as well oh one or the other okay but also in the building where we lived we had our aunt living under like in the apartment beneath us yeah if we ever needed anything my aunt was right our aunt was right there yeah yeah and you were teenagers like you said yeah we weren't young children we would be okay you were younger yes yeah Mm, that is so much better than any 
Hollywood movie. That really is. Well, that goes right into talking about them in the kitchen because you had written. And I thought that was so I I just loved this quote. But now that I know what it really means, I love it even more. You wrote, they are true partners and their collaboration in the kitchen is representative of everything they do together. And yes, they truly are partners. So tell me about their collaboration in the kitchen. So when your parents cooked together, did they have kind of like a, I cook, you wash, or I chop you, or did they just kind of always have this harmony in the kitchen where they did their, their thing? Yeah, they, they seem to, I guess they've been doing it for so long that they work really well together without even speaking. They dance around one another and one reaches for the salt, the other one is chopping an onion. And it's almost as though they know exactly what the person will do next before the person even does it. It's incredible. We see it in action when we go cook with them. It's amazing. Yeah. Mm. Really is so beautiful. (laughs) You know, they just cook together all the time. All the time. Is it common in Greece for men to learn to cook as well? So a lot of Greek men... Uh, work in restaurants and a lot of Greeks who immigrated to Canada those who started businesses often those businesses were restaurants right Um, so it was not uncommon to you know for for our friends parents to either work in or own restaurants we were a bit of an anomaly because our, our parents never owned a restaurant it was a bit unusual but to cook at home I I think it's maybe I'm not actually sure I don't know not too many did I don't know like if I if we think about our own immediate family or extended family there were a few men like your your Nuno my Nuno did for sure who cooked and still cooks yeah but um aunts and uncles not so much no I can't think of anybody else to be honest with you Mm. just my godparents Mm. your godparents you said yes okay so yeah, mm-hmm. once again, just showing really how special your dad is. He really is. He's a hoot. He's so mm-hmm. funny. And he loves to shop. <laughs> he loves to shop. It's true. Oh my goodness. All we had to do was, uh, I want to go to, um, I don't know, we used to go shopping at the factories. They're mm-hmm. called, uh, they're no longer open here. We want to go shopping at the, uh, at the factory, you know, on Saturday morning. I want to go look for a dress. Oh, yeah? You want me to come with you? <laughs> oh, sure. You'd like it. So excited. Hey, Whenever hey. Our, our mother's friends needed to go shopping, they would always ask my dad to go with them. Yeah. In fact, when I went shopping, <laughs> this is a very funny story, Becky. When I went, uh, when I was looking for a wedding dress, my father is the one who came shopping with me. So there we were at the bridal shops, all these other brides to be with their girlfriends and their brothers and their mother-in-laws. And there I was with my father. And, and I remember, I, I don't know where you, you what I don't know. There? I don't know. We probably just went the door. You probably just went to scout around. Yeah. Well, I remember being That's in the dressing crazy. room, putting on, you know, getting dressed and having the sales lady helping me put on a dress. And I could hear my father <laughs> offering unsolicited commentary. No. No. Coming out of the dressing room. So funny. And I would hear him, no, not this one. <laughs> this one make you look fat. No, not this one. And I'm like, oh my God, I thought I'm going to come out of the dressing room and they're going to be throwing daggers at him. But no, no, 
he was sitting there with the women laughing. They were asking his advice. <laughs> the brides to be were like, "What about this one, Mr. George? What about this one?" Too <laughs> much. I love it. I love it. And your mom never felt threatened by him doing those things like she never felt like oh this is my sphere and or or any threat or guilt from this no i think she really enjoyed that he was enjoying spending that type of time with us when we would go shopping she would often come i mean the the wedding dress was just the two of us but typically she was there as well yeah he he loved it he still loves it he still loves to go shopping oh i love it i really admire them both so much i said they're pretty special Well, they are. They are. And I feel like, you know, again, I've said this in other episodes, but like, this is why I want to do this podcast. It's hearing about people like your parents. Let's let's talk then more about the name of your blog. I I love it. Can you just tell my listeners um, how to pronounce it, what it means, you know, the literal translation and what it means, why you chose it? Sure. Okay. So our blog is, uh, is called Mia Kupa. That's how you pronounce it. It translates to one cup in English. And um, the reason we chose it is because it's the most often heard phrase in our parents' kitchen. Um, (laughs) I mean, I I don't think we're alone when we say that we've had a lot of difficulties trying to replicate their delicious Greek food coming out of their kitchen. We would call them and ask them for recipes to moussaka, pasticcio, just to ask them okay, how do you make it? It was impossible to to replicate because they don't measure anything. Yeah. And it's like, oh, put mia kupa, you know, water, mia kupa, this, over the eye, uh, if, you, if you have it. So it was really, really frustrating. So uh, in, yeah. a, in an attempt for us to capture these recipes and hand them down to our children, uh, we started the blog and it was a really started for personal reasons just for that reason just for us to be able to cook with them to note them and to be able to have these to share with uh, with our children um but it became so much more than that because we realized that we're talking about the greeks a lot of greeks our generation had the same challenges and yeah. they and their parents have unfortunately passed away and they didn't have these recipes. And our parents' recipes are such that they're so traditional. There's nothing there's nothing fancy. There's mm-hmm. just but they're so delicious. Mm-hmm. And so many beautiful comments from people thanking mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. for for sharing them. Yeah. No, and the way Billy tells the story, it's just she does a great job. You are a phenomenal writer. Billy, you are. Yeah. Is that part of your day job? Thanks, Becky. (laughs) Is that part of your day job? No, no, I'm a nurse, actually. (laughs) Oh, are you? Yes, I, uh, I'm, um, most of my career, I've been a palliative care nurse. Oh, man. Yes. So I have a PhD in nursing, in palliative care nursing. Mm -hmm. Now I'm the, um, I'm one of the nursing directors for palliative care and geriatrics here in uh, in the city. That is a calling. It is. It's, uh, it's been a blessing. It's been a wonderful, wonderful career mm. choice. Mm. Yeah. Glad for your patients that they have you. <laughs> That's wonderful. What do you do, Helen? 
Um, nothing as... Uh, I know, that's it. We all have our own things that we do. That's right, Helen. I work in finance. Do you? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And Helen is the one who takes all of the photos for the blog. Yes, I'm the photographer behind the blog. Oh, Oh. they drew me right in. That's for sure. I'm not sure why or how I started following you, but clearly it had to do with the photos because I found you on Instagram. So that's what I told Billy. I go, let's, you know, I I always try to do, um, I always try to take the best pictures that I can, obviously, as everybody does. And, uh, as soon as we draw them in using the photos, Billy would capture the uh, their attention, I believe. That's right. That's right. Well, it's a wonderful partnership, just like your parents. Good for yes. you. <laughs> well, I couldn't do it without Billy. And I wouldn't want to do it without you, nor could I. <laughs> the other uh, Back to the kitchen. Um, you talked about their dishes aren't fancy, but I am curious. Well, first of all, um, is vegetarian, are vegetarian options especially common in Greek cooking? And along with that question, what are some of the values and philosophies that inform, I guess, Greek cooking and your parents' cooking? So, yeah, a vegetarian and even vegan dishes make up a large, I would say, percentage of traditional Greek food. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that most Greeks um, are Orthodox. And in the Orthodox faith tradition, about a third of the year, if not, uh, if not more than a third of the year, are considered fasting days, where people that follow uh, Lent won't eat meat or dairy or eggs. So for many, uh, There's no meat, dairy, or eggs on Wednesdays and Fridays throughout the year. And then there are uh, several pretty significant and long fasting periods right before Easter and right before Christmas, and then in August, and then a shorter one in uh, June usually. So during that time, uh, anyone who really is following the fast isn't going to have meat, dairy, or eggs. Uh, Sometimes no oil either, sometimes no wine. So because of that, there are a lot of vegetarian and vegan or Lenten options that are available. I see. And and the other thing is that meat is expensive. So when you think about village food and uh, the food of the people, there was a lot that was based upon things that they could grow, um, things that they could raise. And meat was really seen as a celebratory part of a meal. So for Easter, for example, you would roast an entire lamb. And and the point of roasting the entire lamb was in part also to highlight that there was nothing that was going to go to waste. So Mm -hmm. no part of the animal would be uh, put to waste. Mm -hmm. Um, And then typically, you know, chickens will be eaten. Uh, There's a lot of pork that's eaten in Greece, more than lamb, actually, usually. Mm -hmm. Um, Not much beef. And my, our mother always says that the beef in Greece is not very good. It's very tough. Yeah. <laughs> but the pork is amazing in Greece, um, as, as is the lamb. So a lot of the food is based upon uh, natural, real ingredients, economical ingredients, mm-hmm. so really good value for your money. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing too fancy, and just basic stuff. Mm-hmm. In terms of not fancy, I think I always think of something that 
has herbs in it as fancy. I, I don't know why that makes no sense, but I, <laughs> but I, well, I do know why I think because it's so delicious. Greek food, including this recipe for stewed peas that you gave me does tend to heavily use herbs. Am yeah, I yeah. wrong? Yes. yes, we do. We do use a lot of herbs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that I love about Greek food. Now, can your dad and his garden grow the same kind of herbs that he could grow in Greece there in Montreal? Yeah. Surprisingly, our parents' garden grows pretty much anything you can think of. They even have a couple of fig trees. Yes. No. Really? Oh, yes. yes, Becky. Yes. yes. He has them planted in, get ready, garbage cans <laughs> that are, oh yeah, with wheels. So these, you know, huge garbage cans on wheels. He's planted yes, his yes. trees so that in the winter he can he wheel can them into that. his garage. That, that's genius. That's yeah. genius. That's yeah. amazing. Who that's doesn't amazing. do this? <laughs> See, because it doesn't, I, I, it doesn't matter what society does. It matters what makes sense. And that's why your parents find that certainly makes sense. Yeah, it does though. That's no no fuss man. That's for sure. I cannot wait to get off the phone and tell my husband about this guy. (laughs) I'm going to be like, I found your soulmate. (laughs) So, um, um, so tell me about your cooking because I'm thinking about all of the things that you do, full-time jobs, busy family lives. You run this blog. What does your cooking look like? Do you feel like it's similar to your parents? I'm very fortunate in the way that I work from home, uh, even before the pandemic. And I finish working at 3.30 because I start relatively early. So I do have time to spend more time in the kitchen cooking rather than if I just came home at 5.30, 6 o'clock, which normally working people do get home at that time. I do spend, um, you know, I cook with recipes not necessarily my parents. I'll use other, you know, cookbooks. Uh, I love to cook. I love to be able to give my family a healthy meal. Mm. It doesn't have to be overly fancy. Just, you know, simple, delicious, and healthy. What what word does anybody want? Exactly. Billy, how do you fit it in with your job as a nurse? So we, too, try to make really, uh, you know, healthy meals for the family during the week. Uh, sometimes it's it's not as easy. <laughs> sure. So we try to cook, you know, when I'm very organized, I'll cook a lot on a Sunday and have dinners ready through Wednesday, let's say, uh, and even lunches. So this is wonderful when it happens. It doesn't always happen. So breakfast for dinner is very popular at our house. Oh, yeah, that's a favorite. (laughs) We love that. We love that, too. Um, Calling my parents in the morning and saying, hey, what are you doing today? Do you want to make me supper is also a nice option. (laughs) Oh, that's so lovely. I didn't even think about that. All of your kids have grown up really close to your parents. Yes, yes, yes pretty much raised by their grandparents when we went back to work. Yes. So they're very close to their grandparents, which is really nice. Um, And then other times, you know, maybe we'll order a pizza. Sure. You know, yeah, we we eat, we eat. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. we're, 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 we do our best. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I thought it was interesting going back to an earlier conversation. You said your parents would prepare in the evening for the next day's meal. Yes. Yeah, that's more of a Helen thing, isn't it, Billy? You and I don't think that far. <laughs> no, and when it when it happens, it's like, why don't we do this more often? It's so smart. Right. But then, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they did it just because they um they had no choice. Yeah. Uh, they didn't have any parents helping them. Their parents yeah. were both in Greece. 
They they certainly weren't going to order takeout. Or the, there was no restaurant food. No, no, no. no. So it was more a practicality uh, yeah, and more yes. necessity. They were always working. Let's talk about the stewed pea recipe, which I actually still have a bowl of in front of me. I brought it oh, up to really? eat. <laughs> yes, it's delicious. I Dill is one of my favorite herbs, and I have actually never put dill in a tomato sauce before. Huh. Huh. Well, there you go, Becky. <laughs> I know you're thinking this is so common for us, but I've never, you know, with Indian food, you put Indian spices in tomato sauce. So it's, and of course, you know, you put parsley and basil and oregano into Italian, but I've never put dill in. And it was a magnificent combination. I loved it. Oh, good. It's one of our favorite meals. Okay. And so why did you pick this one? So we picked it because so a few reasons. We thought it would be simple, very easy to find ingredients. Everyone has peas, I think. Most, you know, we we love this dish because we find it so surprising that peas, first of all, could be part of a main meal as opposed to a, a side, side that people kind of scrape to the side of their their plate because everything else on the plate looks much more interesting. It's a great representation of a Lenten meal. So this is the type of meal that we would have during our fasting periods. It's quick, it's economical, it's really delicious. We think it's very delicious. And it's it's also uh, one of the foods that falls into this category of Greek dishes called lavera, which is basically a stewed dish that's cooked in a tomato olive oil based sauce. Great for dunking bread into. Yes. Uh, uh, superb with a hunk of feta if you're eating cheese. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we thought you would enjoy it. We hope you did. I, I, you surely did. And um, it also included my favorite food, which is potato. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. Which makes more of a meal, right? If you didn't yes. have potatoes, you wouldn't feel as satisfied. But the potatoes really give it some substance yes. and it's hearty. Yeah, yeah, I've read that they did um, say, say, I can never pronounce the word, S-A-T-I-E-T-Y, how how satiated you are, and boiled potatoes rank number one, they do. And so when you combine that with the fiber in peas, it is a vegetarian meal that will keep you very full for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. We had last week, I loved it. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And uh, how do you pronounce it? And what's the literal meaning of it? Aracas laderos medomata. So aracas is peas. Mm -hmm. Laderos means, uh, laderos, really the literal translation is oily. So it means that it's cooked in an oil-based sauce. Medomata is with tomato. Okay. So peas, oily peas with tomato. Serve that to your guests. <laughs> you emphasized good Greek olive oil. Where would you source Greek olive oil? Yeah, so we're very fortunate. So Greek olive oil essentially means olive oil that comes from the olive groves in Greece. And olive oil is really a tricky thing to purchase because olive oil that you find sold in grocery stores and markets, unfortunately, isn't always pure olive oil. And it's been cut with cheaper oils like vegetable oils and canola oils. And um, and it's very difficult to know for sure if you're getting pure olive oil, regardless of the country that it's from. Uh, and sometimes it's not a question of cost. So there was a media report. I think we actually linked to it in our post on olives um, oh. on the blog. There was a media report which identified some 
high priced olive oils that were really found to be uh, not pure. So we're fortunate that we get our olive oil directly from Greece from family. Um, which we recognize is not obviously something that everybody can do for sure. But there are several local small distributors that um, are family-run businesses that sell the olives, olive oil that they produce from their olive groves in Greece that they sell directly to the public, either online or in small specialty shops. So for sure you're going to pay more than you would in the grocery store. But at the same time, you're supporting a small business. You're supporting usually a family-run business. And you're, you're, you're pretty certain that you're going to be getting what you're paying for. And the taste is undeniable. A really good, pure olive oil you could drink. Uh, just, you know, put it in a shot glass and take a shot, and it's delicious. Yeah. What kind of feta do you recommend? So Greek feta is made of sheep or goat's milk. So that's really what's important, to make sure that the feta comes from either sheep or goat and not cow. Canadian feta, for example, is usually made with cow's milk. And although it's fine, you can't compare. You can't. You, can't, you really can't compare. And you can either buy it purchased in oil or in brine. So we usually buy feta. I usually buy it, actually, by the barrel. So I go to the deli counter. We're very fortunate that we have a Greek market near our home. Uh, and really? at the deli counter, yeah. At the deli counter, you just ask for feta, and then they supply you with some of the brine, which is basically salt water and a bit of milk that the feta sits in and keeps pretty well in the refrigerator. If you store it in oil, I find that it gets, sometimes it can get a bit soft, Interesting. Um, whereas in the brine, it keeps a nice crumbly texture. That's a great, great tip. And I just Googled, is there a Greek market near me? Because I want to buy feta <laughs> by the barrel. <laughs> I'm from Montreal. And we're going to go shopping together. Uh, yeah, with your dad, right? Yes, <laughs> yeah. No kidding. <laughs> okay, so last question about this recipe. You mentioned that you always recommend making this with a homemade tomato sauce, which I think you call a passata, if I pronounce that correctly. So we recommend a homemade tomato sauce. And if you don't have one, then to use passata. So oh. passata is because our parents make their own tomato sauce. Of course. of course, we actually have that post on the blog with directions on how someone can make it themselves as well. Okay. But okay. if you don't have homemade tomato sauce, we recommend that you purchase something called passata, which is a thick tomato sauce. Strained tomatoes, yeah. yeah. Strained. Or you can just I use see. whatever tomato sauce, you, you know. Okay. Yeah, you don't want to use tomato juice. Tomato juice is too watery. Too watery right. for this dish. For yeah. this dish, yeah. yeah. Right. So when you say a sauce, like even a pureed would be okay or no? Yeah, a yeah, pureed would exactly probably be good, yeah. Okay, okay. That's what I used. Okay, so yeah. I'll get you out on this. Just tell everyone where they can find your amazing Greek dishes. Uh, well, you can find it on our website, www.miakoupa, M-I-A-K-O-U-P-P, like Peter, A, dot com. Mm -hmm. We have a Facebook page called Mia Koupa. Mm -hmm. We have a Twitter account, Instagram, and Pinterest. We also have YouTube. You can watch oh, us yeah. in action. Yes. <laughs> yes, we all want to watch you on YouTube. 
Well, I, like I said, I will share all of your information. I hope everyone goes and enjoys these recipes the way I have. I was very inspired last Lent by your hashtag Lenten recipes. I learned a lot through that. So thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time. You've just really lifted my spirits this evening with your, your parents' story. Thank you, Becky. Thank you for having us, Becky. It was so much fun. Thank and you for very, inviting uh, us. Yeah, we're very honored to be part of your wonderful series. It's really, uh, fantastic. It's really fantastic. You're you're very kind. It's an honor. Um, all right. Thank you. Have a great evening. Bye, Bye Becky. Bye, Becky. Thank you so much to Helen and Billy. You can find all of their information on my website, thestoriedrecipe.com. Next week, we'll hear from Jessica. She will tell us how she had just weeks to make a decision to leave Venezuela forever. She'll tell us about her new life in Holland, her memories of Venezuela, and the aripos, which bind it all together. If you enjoyed this episode, can I humbly ask you for one of several favors um, so I can continue this work? Could you please just hit that subscribe button right now? That would mean the world to me. Also, every review helps. And finally, if you could share this episode with your family, friends, and on social media, I would love for all of them to hear Helen and Billy's story also. Make sure you follow along with the photographs and upcoming recipes over on Instagram at thestoriedrecipe.podcast. Thank you all and have a great week, my friends.